Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Medicare Agent Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Jacobson. Today, we're talking with Caroline Howe, who leads agent success at Fair Street and is an expert in Medicare carrier contracting. She explains how to get contracted with Medicare carriers if you're a new agent or if you're switching FMOs. Consider this your contracting crash course. Here's a clip from today's conversation. Because it really is a choice. There are so many FMOs out there and each FMO has its own strengths, but one thing is software. So what kinds of tools can that FMO set you up with? A lot of these Medicare tools can be super expensive and inaccessible for an independent agent. And that is one of the appeals of working with an FMO. And so if tech tools is important to you, then ask your FMO what they have to offer. Another thing would be marketing and growth. So asking your FMO, what are they doing? What programs do they have in place to help their agents grow? And then another huge piece is support. So what kinds of support do they have when you have an enrollment question? What kind of support do they have around compliance? Those are all important things that agents should be able to rely on their FMOs for. And so being able to suss out what FMOs have strengths in and what they're offering is the best way to figure out which ones to go with. That's just a tiny taste from today's fantastic show. The Medicare Agent Podcast is sponsored by Fair Street. Fair Street is a CRM and FMO for Medicare agents that helps them manage all of their clients in one place. You can collect prescriptions, quote and enroll, create custom intake forms, do call recording, and so much more. Go to thefairstreet.com to learn more. All right, let's get started with today's show. Hi, Caroline, and welcome to the Medicare Agent Podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today and to dig into the meaty uh, contracting topics and what agents need to know about contracting and working with an FMO. So welcome. Thanks for having me. Would love to start with a little bit of a story around your background. Tell us about the the work that you do, the role that you play, and spoiler alert, Caroline is part of the Fair Street team. So I work with Caroline day in and day out. So tell us what you do at Fair Street. Yeah. So I lead agent success at Fair Street. And that essentially means that my role is to ensure agents have a really smooth and exceptional experience from the moment that they join the agency. And so this includes overseeing onboarding onto our digital platform and CRM, carrier contracting, and also year-round support. And so my background is actually in health technology and insurance. Sarah, we work together at Stride Health, and that's where I had my first foray into the insurance world, and I oversaw our enrollment team. And so we were a team of licensed health insurance agents who enrolled mainly gig workers and other self-employed folks in health and ancillary benefits. And so health insurance has always been a really big part of my professional life. And it's something that I'm really passionate about and is the reason that I came to Fair Street to dig into the Medicare world and see what impact we could have. And we're very lucky to have you as part of that team. And you've developed a real expertise when it comes to all the nitty gritty around contracting and what it means to be an agent and get up and running with an FMO. So can you start by defining what is contracting? For someone that has never heard of this concept before, but is becoming a Medicare agent, what does it mean? Yeah, it is very 
this is something that I was not expecting coming from the under 65 world where you just really needed a health license and then to get certified with the insurance marketplace. But contracting in the Medicare industry is the process of becoming appointed to sell a specific carrier's products. And so in Medicare, you need to be individually contracted with each carrier where you want to be able to sell their products. And that process is long. It includes filling out carrier-specific paperwork, sending that carrier your state licenses, proof of your E&O, and then also taking carrier-specific certification classes if you're trying to sell Advantage or prescription plans. Got it. That's helpful to understand at a high level what contracting even means. And FMOs are a really big part of contracting. And can you explain how FMOs fit into this whole story around contracting? Do you need an FMO? What do they actually do? Yeah, this was also something that is very different from the under 65 world. Medicare is extremely hierarchical. And essentially, an FMO is a field marketing organization. And they're essentially a company that supports independent agents and agencies in sales, in marketing, in client retention, compliance. And the reason that you need an FMO is it is very hard, if not impossible, for an individual agent or even agency to get a direct carrier contract um, because there are really high production requirements that a single person or company would struggle to make. And so by going through a field marketing organization, those organizations are operating at a national level typically and have these direct contracts with carriers. And so you get the support of this large organization that is an expert on contracting, can get you that carrier contract, and then can guide you through that whole process, including annual recertification um, and anything that comes up along the way. That's really helpful. And to your point, many carriers don't allow you to just go directly to United Healthcare, for example. You need to work through an FMO. There are some regional, local carriers that do allow direct appointments, but by and large, the big national carriers, you must work through an FMO. Yeah, and there are also benefits. Uh, like you can often get more than street commission if you're going through an FMO. And there are a lot of benefits because those FMOs have the scale to negotiate with carriers. Sure. So you mentioned a term there, street level. And so I want to keep on this train of definition. If you could define for us, what is an FMO? People also might have heard of GAs, MGAs, SGAs, street level agent. Can you just walk us through what all these things mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So an FMO is the very top of this hierarchical pyramid. And these are large companies operating at a national level that consists of hundreds, if not thousands, of independent agents and agencies. And these FMOs are usually the ones that have that direct carrier contract. Um, and other terms for FMO that are fairly common are IMO, so that's an independent marketing organization, which is 
pretty much the same as an FMO, and so is the term NMO, which is National Marketing Offices. And so these are essentially all large national companies that have direct relationships with carriers. That's really below, helpful. And then, yeah, if you could walk us through, what are the steps below NMO, FMO, IMO? Yeah, it keeps going. So there's also something called MGA. So in MGA, that is a smaller company that is smaller than FMO. MGA stands for Managing General Agents. And these are organizations that are smaller than FMOs. They could be one state or multiple states. They have their own downline agents, or they might even have smaller agencies below them. And these MGAs are partnered with FMOs and usually will receive some sort of override um, that's smaller than their FMO, but they are also receiving an override on top of any commissions that their agency is writing. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, so we have MGAs. Above that would be an SGA, and below an MGA would be a GA. So what's the difference? So describe what a GA is, a general agency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a general agency is what you can equate to your local Medicare agency. So these GAs, general agents, typically have their own sub-agents, so street agents who are working for them. Um, and they are contracted either through an MGA or they might be contracted through an FMO. And so these are just essentially smaller agencies, smaller than an MGA and then smaller than an FMO. That makes sense. Okay, so if you're a new agent who doesn't have downline agents, you're working through one of these organizations, whether it's a GA who's local and that GA might be contracted through an FMO, or you can also have a direct relationship with a national FMO. And there are lots of different reasons why you might choose one or the other, which we can get into. Exactly. Let's talk about if you're a new agent getting contracted for the first time with an FMO, what that process looks like. Yes. So there's a little bit of background work that you need to do first before you can go and request a contract with a carrier. And so that includes taking something called AHIP, which you would need in order to sell Advantage or prescription plans. You also would need an E&O policy in place and, of course, your health license. And so as a new agent, once you have all of those pieces lined up, then you can go to your upline, whether it's a GA, an MGA, an FMO. And at that point, you're ready to request carrier contracts. And so a great thing to do is to research your market. Your upline hopefully has some sort of regional expertise where they can guide you towards the carriers that would be priority for you to get contracted with first. So carriers that are competitive in your area who offer really great plans that, um, your clients would want. And so at that point, you request those contracts from your upline. You share information like your NPN, your state license information, and they will go and interface with the carrier in order to get you that contract. And so once your upline has requested that carrier contract for you, you'll get that contract 
A lot of carriers do this through an e-link, so it's an online form that you fill out that you also can then upload your state licenses and other information. And then after you fill out that paperwork, you'll do any sort of carrier-specific certification steps if you're licensing for Advantage or prescription plans. And then the carrier will process both the contracting paperwork that you filled out as well as your certifications. And once they've processed those pieces, they will approve you as ready to sell. And so once you get that ready to sell status, that is when you officially can start writing business for that carrier. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And if you're an agent who's licensed in multiple states, do you need to go through that same process in every single state and take the test multiple times? The carrier certification exam? No. (laughs) The good thing is that when you are filling out your contracting paperwork, you can get licensed in any sort, any state that you hold a producer license in. And so you really only need to do this process once. And then if you were to add a state license down the line, then what you would do is let your upline know that you now have a new state license, and then they will be able to update your contracting to reflect that you're eligible to sell in that state. Okay, that makes it a little easier then. Yes, definitely. Let's walk through another scenario. So let's say that someone is an independent agent who's already contracted through an FMO, but they want to switch FMOs. Mm -hmm. How would that work? Yes. So this is something called the release process. So when an agent goes to an upline, an FMO, and becomes contracted through them, they are locked into that contract unless they are able to get released from that contract through their FMO. And so if you are an agent who has already been contracted with a carrier through an upline and you want to move that carrier contract to a different upline or FMO, then you would need to either request a release from your upline, and that's a formal process where your upline would issue a release letter to you, and that would allow you to then move that carrier contract. Another option is to actually transfer your contract without getting a release through the intent to transfer process. And this is when you inform the carrier directly that you would like to move your contract. And this process is very drawn on. It can take three to six months to move a contract through this intent to transfer process. Okay. So it sounds like if an agent can get a release, that's going to be the least painful, quickest option to move FMOs. Exactly. Once you get a release from your upline, you can immediately move your contract to another FMO. Okay. And what happens then? So let's say you get the release there, they provide it to you. Do you have to recertify with all the carriers? So if you are fully contracted and certified with a carrier and your existing upline releases you, then you can move your contract to another upline without having to go through the certification process again. This does vary carrier by carrier. And so a lot of carriers will want you to resubmit paperwork, 
But during this recontracting period, you very rarely are blocked from continuing to be able to write policies. And so there is very little risk, essentially, to moving your contract. Um, the only thing is many carriers would require that you submit a new, a new packet, essentially, to, to finalize that move. Okay. But that's a relief, I bet, to a lot of agents. If their business is not interrupted by switching FMOs, essentially, they can continue writing business. And then on the day that that contract switches to the new FMO, they just, those contracts or those enrollments are happening in the new FMO, but no, no business is lost. No commission is lost. Anything like that. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And then let's walk through a third scenario, which is someone who is an agency and wants to bring on another downline agent and have that new agent go through contracting. What would they need to consider? Yeah, there's a few things. And so the first thing is that as an agency, in order to get contracted, the very first step is the principal of the agency needs to get their individual contract, and then they also need to contract the agency for a carrier. And so those two pieces need to be in place before you're able to add any downline agents. And then after that, a really important thing that agents should be asking their uplines is what level of contract can that upline get the agency? And so this is important because you need to have essentially a GA level contract or higher in order to be contracted as an agency. And the reason is that you need many street level contracts don't allow for downline agents. And so Agents should be asking their upline if they can get a GA or higher. And then a third consideration would be how commissions are paid. And so there are options for agents and their sub-agents on how commissions are paid to the agency. One option is that all agents in that agency get paid directly their commission. And another option is that any sub-agents within an agency can be designated as LOA. And what that means is that those LOA agents really are not receiving the commissions directly. All of those commissions would be paid to the agency directly. Um, And then there are some carriers that allow you to assign commissions um, as a street level agent. So you could be operating as a street level agent and then assign your commissions to an agency. I see. And you might want to do that if you're a business owner, for example, and you want all of your income to go to run through the business entity instead of being 1099 income to you individually. Exactly. And all of these things vary carry by carrier by carrier. And so a huge piece of advice would be to work with the contracting department of your upline to make sure that you've considered all these pieces before you go down the path of contracting with a carrier. I think that's one big theme here on contracting is how different every carrier treats it and how individualized that process can be carrier to carrier. Exactly. It, it really is different for every carrier. And you can't assume that the way that you're set up with one carrier will directly translate to how you'll be set up with the next carrier. Right. Let's move on and talk about timing of contracting. So 
some agents might have heard that you can't move FMOs during open enrollment, um, AEP, the annual enrollment period. Can you talk about what timing considerations exist when it comes to contracting? Yeah, this mainly applies to Advantage and prescription plan contracts. And so around AEP, carriers are basically going into lockdown before the busy enrollment season. And so starting around September, carriers will have explicit blackout dates where you as the agent cannot move your upline. You are stuck with whoever your upline is. And so during that time, even if you were to get an immediate release from your upline saying you can move your contract, the carriers themselves will not accept that release letter until the end of their blackout period. And so you can expect that from September through mid-December, if not through the entire month of December, you are fairly locked into all of your Advantage and prescription contracts. And so if you are an agent who wants to move your contract during this blackout period, one thing you can do is you can actually get an immediate release, send that to the carrier, and many carriers will simply process your release and then have you and your contract ready to move on 1-1. And so you'll have to wait out the rest of AEP and the rest of that current year. But if you were to get a release letter, you can initiate the process so that in January, your contract is ready to move. During this blackout period, it's also a good option to go the intent to transfer route. And so if you don't want to contact your upline, go through the process of requesting a release, what you can do is during this blackout period, because you can't move contracts for about three months anyway, you can put in an intent to transfer directly with a carrier. And most carriers have a three-month waiting period anyway. And so you can start that intent to transfer process with the carrier directly. And then by the time it's 1-1, then your contract would be ready to move. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. If you're talking with an agent who wants to switch FMOs before AEP, when should they have started the process by so that they don't run into issues with the blackout period? Yeah, so carriers start to get slammed around September. Um, and so if you are an agent who wants to move your contract before AEP, my recommendation is to start in the summer. So request an immediate release from your upline it is not guaranteed that you will get a release from your upline. And so starting that process as soon as possible, if not asking for an open release right at the beginning of joining an upline, you want to make sure that you're considering the possibility that your upline won't release you. And so my recommendation would be to request your release letter from your upline first, and then ask your upline that you're moving to what the cutoff dates are for each carrier. And so okay. they can help you prioritize as well, which carriers to start working on first. That makes a lot of sense. And it sounds like the earlier, the better. If you can get this process started in the new year, that's even better, but at a minimum, kick it off in the summer so that everything is squared away by the time 
open enrollment AEB comes around. Exactly. And there are some carriers that are super easy to move. Um, WellCare, for example, it takes only, it takes about three minutes and you don't need an immediate release to move your contract. And so a carrier like WellCare, you could truly wait until the very last second and you as the agent would be able to make that change on your own within five minutes. But there are carriers where the process is a lot longer and a lot of carriers will want you to have that release letter in hand when you are submitting your contracting paperwork. And so having that letter before you start working on paperwork can really help move things along. Right, right. Shifting gears a little bit, can you speak to why an agent would choose to work with a local general agency, GA, or a larger FMO? Just walk through some of the pros and cons in your minds and what agents should be considering there. Yeah, I think it depends on your clientele and who you're serving. If you are someone who is mainly operating in your immediate community, then working with a local FMO or upline will probably be ideal because they will understand how each health plan works with the local carriers or providers in your area, like which hospital systems accept which insurance policy. And all of that information is really hard to find when you're working with a national FMO where they don't have really great regional expertise. Also, local organizations will have meetups and in-person trainings and more of a community. And if that is something that is of value to you and it's support that you're looking for, then going local, you'll find a lot more of that. On the national side, an agent who wants to operate in multiple states and is operating maybe more of a remote business, having a national FMO will be really helpful in being able to rely on a larger organization with knowledge and expertise across multiple states so that even if you don't live in a state that you are operating and doing business in, there is someone in your upline who can guide you towards the right carriers to contract with and the right um, benefits to provide to your clients. That makes a lot of sense. And to your point, it's really personal. Every agent is going to be looking for something different. And so there might be a decision that's right for you when you're just starting the business. And then maybe your needs change a few years into it and what you need changes. And you might consider switching FMOs at that point. One last question for you is, do you have any last tips for agents who are searching for an FMO, particularly with respect to contracting? I know you, you mentioned a term earlier, uh, an open release policy. Mm -hmm. So that could be one thing that agents should ask their FMOs about. Um, can you just touch on what an open release policy is and anything else you would recommend agents ask about? Yeah. So like I mentioned earlier, FMOs do not need to release you if they don't want to. And the best thing that you can do to set yourself up for success, even if you don't plan on changing FMOs in the near future, is ask your FMO if they have an open release policy. So that means that it's an agreement between you as the agent and the FMO that whenever you decide to leave, your FMO will let you go freely and they will issue you an immediate release when requested. This is not an industry standard. This is not something that's required across FMOs, but 
it is extremely important in being able to always have the best options and be able to shop around and make sure that the FMO that you're working with is the best one for you at that given moment of your business. Right. Open releases are, are something to talk to your FMO about upfront, get it in writing so that you have the security that if you ever needed to leave, it won't be an issue. Exactly. Perfect. And then I think other things folks should be considering when they're shopping for FMOs, because it really is a choice. There are so many FMOs out there and each FMO has its own strengths, but one thing is software. So what kinds of tools can that FMO set you up with? A lot of these Medicare tools can be super expensive and inaccessible for an independent agent. And that is one of the appeals of working with an FMO. And so if tech tools is important to you, then ask your FMO what they have to offer. Another thing would be marketing and growth. So asking your FMO, what are they doing? What programs do they have in place to help their agents grow? And then another huge piece is support. So what kinds of support do they have when you have an enrollment question? What kind of support do they have around compliance? Those are all important things that agents should be able to re rely on their FMOs for. And so being able to suss out what FMOs have strengths in and what they're offering is the best way to figure out which ones to go with. Absolutely. And then reference checking FMOs. So talk to a few agents mm -hmm. that have actually worked with these FMOs to make sure that they deliver on these promises um, and that they're good partners to agents. Yeah, exactly. And there are great forums that you can go to to get feedback and yeah, feedback from agents, but you should also not hesitate to ask the FMO directly for any agent references and they should be happy to provide those. Absolutely. Perfect. Well, Caroline, thank you so much for walking through so much around contracting. There's a lot of ground that we covered and contracting is one of those things that is really confusing from the outside because there's not a lot of information. FMOs don't make this information public. And so I really appreciate you clarifying how contracting works in different scenarios so that agents can learn from all of the expertise that you've amassed over these years. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Caroline.